0: Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor. I come alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Creek Podcast. I hope you're doing well. This is episode 130. And today I'm going to talk to you about John chapter 4. We're going to continue the series of just looking at Jesus as a pastor, as the lead pastor, the shepherd of the sheep, and taking all the pastoral lessons we can from the Gospel of John. It's been a lot of fun trying to bust up the notion that there's somehow, somehow a disagreement between 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the requirement that we're not to be quarrelsome. And yet we look at Jesus, and Jesus is often starting fights, picking fights, and uh, really at times even looks aggressive. And at other times, he's very weak looking, not actually weak, but he is definitely meek in his handlings with people. And so we're going through the Gospel of John and just looking at these different pictures of pastoral ministry, learning pastoral lessons from Jesus. But first, I wanna tell you again about the Shepherd's Creek Intensive. You're gonna keep hearing a lot about this because it's such a great event and I want you to come. It's uh, the 4th through the 6th. I've been giving the wrong date. I've been saying the 5th through the 7th of May because that's last year's dates. This year it is the 4th through the 6th of May in Eminence, Missouri at Circle B Campground. So you can go ahead and do some Google searching and or some DuckDuckGo searching or whatever it is that you're using to search now and find out more information about Circle B Campground, but it's just a really cool spot. One of the things that I've not been saying the last couple of weeks is that the cost, which is 175 bucks for those three days, includes your campsite, but it also includes all the food and all the fees for camp for canoeing. We're going canoeing for two different days, two different floats. The first day that we go will be a 14-mile float, and then the second day will be an 8-mile float. And it's just beautiful scenery. It's an incredible experience. It really is, and we've got a great group already registered. I think we have about 12 to 15 guys already registered. And so by the time this is up, I'm expecting 30 to 50 guys, somewhere in that range. And it's just a couple months away. And so today is the 8th of March. So you have April and May. Talk to your wife. Talk to your church leadership team if you've got a budget for this kind of stuff for conferences. See if this can be used as a conference. And we would love for you to come bring your whole elder team. We have one church that's bringing their whole elder team. And many of the guys from our church, Christ Church Carbondale, is going to be there. And so we want as many as, uh, you know, as many as can come, you know, bring them. If there's just guys from your church interested in pastoral ministry or even leadership, being a better man, bring them. We're going to open it up to all of our church to just be invited to come. And so we would love for you to be a part of that. Follow the link right down in the, in the show notes and uh, we'd love for you to be there. Okay, let's look at John chapter 4. And I love this story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And this really, this story's been hijacked by a lot of self-complementarians in our, in our day who have used this to say, look, Jesus was alone with a woman, therefore we should be alone with a woman as pastors, and, and we need to be able to set up meetings with pastors, and we don't need to have this Billy Graham rule, and yada, 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 that kind of stuff. And I think that's a silly application from this passage. So we're going to walk through John 4 and see some really, really neat things. Jesus, as usual... Throw some curveballs, he's good about that, where he guess keeps you on your toes, where you think you know how the conversation would go normally, and then the conversation is steered in a direction that you just didn't expect. And so as we look through John 4, we see some really interesting things. Of course, you know, this is the story of Jesus and the woman in Samaria, the woman at the well at Sychar. So the, the first few notes are, are great. If you've preached through this, I've preached through this now multiple times. I think I've preached through the Gospel of John twice and it was, the first time was, I don't know, when I was first in ministry, and then the second time was just this last year at our church, or two years ago at our church, and it was amazing, amazing time. And so when we find that Jesus had to go to Samaria, had to go through Samaria, we know that, that the had to was not about geography. He could have went around Samaria like a good Pharisee would have done, but the had to was about the sovereign plan of of his father. He had to obey his father, and his father's direction was to go through Samaria because he had this meeting with this woman of Samaria, and there was going to be a small revival that was going to happen in this town of Sychar. And so he had to go to Samaria, go through Samaria, because he had to meet with this woman. And I love the setup that we see in verse 8, that his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. You know, typically when you go buy food and you're with a group of buddies, you send a runner. You know, you send one guy to go get the food to Subway or wherever, and go get us some sandwiches. Well, Jesus sends everyone away, which is unique, but I think he's intentionally doing that to set up this meeting with this woman. And then the woman shows up, and Jesus says, Give me a drink. It actually is verse in verse 7, where the woman shows up at the well, Jesus is hanging out by himself, and this sovereign act of God is, is at work, where Jesus says to the woman, Woman, give me a drink. And then the conversation starts. And Jesus asks this question, draws her in, and she says... Why are you talking with me, a Jew, asking me for a drink? Because I'm a Samaritan woman. And then Jesus begins to throw a curveball. He says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Well, obviously she's, you know, confused. And the conversation continues to go, and she's totally out of the loop, totally out of understanding. I mean, who wouldn't be when Jesus is talking about uh, living water and what water that's going to bubble up and go over, and uh, whoever drinks of this water will never be thirsty again? I'd be thinking some kind of this is some sort of magical incantation or something. I have no idea what would you know what would be going on. Neither would you. Neither did this woman. It was a confusing moment. But then in verse 16, Jesus does something that's very unfashionable today, was very unfashionable then. He talks about the sin of this woman. He doesn't just act like she doesn't sin. He doesn't act like there's nothing wrong with this woman's behavior. He speaks directly to this woman's sin. In verse 16, he says this. He said to her, go and call your husband and come here. Well, the woman had a response. You know, this woman is kind of catty a little bit. She talks back a little bit. She's got a little pizzazz and a little bit of sass. And you see it. You see the sarcasm. You see the wit with this woman. But in verse 17, she thinks she's got Jesus. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband. But here it is. Verse 18. You've had five husbands. And the one you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. Now, some people have said I think it was Elise Fitzpatrick, but man, what happened? What's happened to Elise Fitzpatrick over the over the last I don't know ten years? She wrote some great stuff, and then she I mean went down the feminist trail. I mean I don't know what happened with her. She has said recently, and as as others, where this woman gets a bad rap. You know we don't know the story. Maybe she was an abused woman. Th- that's not at all what's happening. Jesus is clearly calling out her sin of having five husbands and now living with a man who is not her husband. Okay, th- this woman is not a victim she is she has sinned and she has sinned greatly and and you see that because how she responded she didn't start you know off with tears and say you know I'd been abused by five husbands or anything like that she is blown away that this man would continue to talk to her when she has sinned and sinned so grievously when she has acted as a sexual deviant and now living with a man who's not her husband certainly she would need help having being supported certainly she would need help from men of course but the whole point is, is Jesus is calling out her sin, and she feels loved by that. We see that here in a minute. If everybody was able to, to watch, and the disciples and all the boys were there, if we were the fly on the wall there, it would be, you know, it could be very awkward. You know, that moment where somebody calls somebody out, and you don't know how it's going to go, and you're kind of on the edge of your seat wondering like, oh gosh, this is, uh, this is getting a little, this is, I mean, firing up quick. This conversation's going in a direction I didn't know it was going to go. Jesus doesn't have any problem taking it there, saying exactly what needed to be said. And then in verse 19, she responds The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And she goes into this conversation about the Messiah. Now, verse 26, Jesus reveals to her the first time in the Gospel of John before he reveals himself as the Messiah to anyone else, he reveals himself as the Messiah to this Samaritan woman by this well. He reveals in verse 19 that I who speak to you am he. And then the the disciples show up in 27, in verse 27. Let me get a drink of my coffee real quick. The disciples show up in verse 27. They're shocked and amazed that he is speaking to this woman. Jesus is not at all concerned with busting cultural norms. He does what's right and he doesn't care if that goes against what's culturally wrong. He doesn't care if he's going against cultural norms to speak to a Samaritan woman. If God... It tells him to do that. He's going to do that. If the law of God has commanded it, he's going to do it. If the law of God's prohibited it, he's not going to do it. Jesus is going to obey his heavenly father. So he doesn't care about cultural norms. So he speaks to this woman and they are amazed by that. And then what we see in verse 28 and 29, I think is pretty amazing because this woman, what really cut her, what really captivated her was not that Jesus said to her that he's the Messiah. It's that Jesus told her her sin. That's what was astounding to her. I mean, it, it really took her back, okay? We see this in verse uh, 27 or 28 and 29. We see that she says, so the woman left the water pot, the very thing that she came to get, which is an amazing thing, and then she went to the city and said to the man, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? So she's she's wondering... The man told me that he was the Messiah, but the main thing that she was certain about, she was not completely certain that he was the Messiah, but she was certain that the man told her everything that she had ever done. Now, in verse 39, listen to this. From the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I had ever done. What really got her, what really captivated her, is he continued to speak to her, knowing all the sin that she had ever done. That's what cut her to the heart, that he would speak to her and tell her all that she had done. And even more so than him telling her that he's the Messiah, this is what stood out to her. The man called out my sin. The man knew everything he had done, everything that I'd ever done, everything that I was doing right now in this moment, and he he still spoke to me. It's an amazing thing. Now, again, this is not a case for regular meetings with women at Panera, Irregular regular meetings with a closed door in your church office. This is not at all talking about that, and we shouldn't bring those sorts of implications out of that. Now, it's an amazing thing that, that Jesus, knowing this woman's promiscuous background, did not lust af- after her in any way. He really has faced every temptation that we have faced, and yet without sin. He didn't think about this woman inappropriately. He loved her, even knowing her sin, and he cared about her soul. And again, this was an intentional sovereign act of Jesus, knowing exactly what he was doing. And then he sent this woman back into town, and this woman or this town uh, started believing him. Now let, let's pull out a few lessons here. Lessons here: Jesus spoke to this woman. This is important, guys. Lean in and listen. He spoke to this woman directly, and he spoke to her as a sinner. This could have infuriated this woman. You do this today, if you speak to women as equals, as equal image bearers, if you speak to the sins of women or the sins of specific, particular women, there is a high risk that it's not going to go favorable for you. But if we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, in a a loving way, not being a jerk, we cannot be afraid to speak to the sins of women. Jesus spoke directly and it could have infuriated her and he didn't care. We've got to be willing to do that. Now, we have to speak directly to both Christian women and non-Christian women. We must not be scared to tell them their sin. Tell them their sin propensities, where it is that they may stumble, as opposed to where men may stumble. Our sins are different, and we are discipled in an engendered manner. We are discipled as Christians, not as... I've talked about this before. Many have talked about this before. We are not discipled as androgynous, asexual beings but as Christian men and women. And if you don't embrace who you are as a man or as a woman, you cannot be appropriately discipled. You cannot appropriately follow Christ. You follow Christ as a man or woman. Now, Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah after telling her about her sin. There was an order in this. He did tell her that he was living water, that if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again, all these things that are just amazing truths about Jesus. But he did not hold back on either He told her her sin, and then he revealed that he was the Messiah. Now, neither should we. This is the proper order. We expose sin, bring the law. As Charles Spurgeon said, the needle of the law precedes the thread of the gospel, the tear, and then the thread comes to bind up the tear, to bind up the wound. In the same way, we preach and proclaim the law of God. This is the first use of the law. And then we bring the thread of the gospel, pointing people to Jesus, and then when they trust in Christ and are transformed from the inside out, we bring the law again, not now to cut, but to direct, to lead, to say, here's what life looks like. Here's how you live. Here's how you walk. Here's where you need to go. Here's where you don't need to to go. As people who are justified by Christ's work, here's now how we shall live. And so there's a lot to learn in these pastoral lessons. Speak to women directly. Don't be scared of women. Jesus wasn't, and neither should we. Be scared of women. All right. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe, share, and, and let people know about the show if it's been helpful. Also, I'm accruing some costs uh, about this podcast from month to month. If you want to help in any way, you can certainly help on PayPal. But I would love if you would send send a check. If you want to send a check, um, the the cost that I'm going to be getting is about 50 bucks a month because I'm, I'm doing some advancements in the in the podcast and the platform. So if you want to help, please do. You can send a check to 325 Ashwood Lane. Carbondale, Illinois. Again, the old-fashioned way, send it to the Shepherd's Crook, excuse me, the Shepherd's Crook, 325 Ashwood Lane, Carbondale, Illinois, 62901, so it's 62901 area code if you want to send it here and uh, would love for you to support the ministry if you would like to do that. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.